Welcome to Householders, a conversation about American life as Zen practice. I'm Inga Annie Wade. And I'm Kyosaku John Mitchell, and we're lay members of the Atlanta Soto Zen Center. I'm interested in the whole idea of like looking weird doing practice in public. Is that is that like hard for you to handle? Well, that I just feeling? know that I'm making people uncomfortable and that's not like ideal. How uncomfortable though? Well, at least maybe a little uneasy because they don't know what I'm doing. That just doesn't seem like that big of a problem to me. I I almost wish more people were doing things that were bizarre in that way so that people would get used to people being, you know, different from each other. I do too. And and I would hope that they, you know, maybe they think that's weird, but it looks like they're doing something that's, you know, not hurting anybody. So that should be okay then. But I don't know, maybe, maybe even people might think that you're on drugs or something. Uh-huh. Like walking around, like uh-huh. just balance on this invisible beam over here. Yeah, <laughs> right. I mean, I guess that would be one of the default exceptions. If you're just staring into space, like on a park bench or something. Yeah, you're either really, a crazy really person or you're on drugs. I guess those are the only choices that people have. But meditation, I don't know. Well, I, I mean, it's it, it's nothing shameful in meditation, though. It's a yeah. It's it's a hard thing to do, <laughs> right? Well, I think I mean I don't feel any shame about any of this. That's why I'm asking. It's it's I like I I walk and do weird stuff all the time, and I and I I enjoy it. But I'm not. That's not to say that I don't have a limit for feeling the way that you're describing about like doing like being a weirdo in public. I, it, it might, maybe it's like a higher limit, like a higher pain tolerance for it. But I, I definitely, or maybe it's just that there's certain sensitive areas in, in each of our lives, like certain kinds of expression that are painful for us to be seen doing in that way. Cause like, I have a lot of trouble wearing Jewish, like, garb like symbols in public and there's complicated reasons for that um and and there's not a lot of of the many like forms of dressing in a jewish customary jewish manner not very many of them appeal to me because a lot of them are indications of orthodox observance or requirements of orthodox observance that i don't Uh hold to at all but like the idea of wearing a kippah on my head like I've tried that in a few different phases for like months or a year at a time. Um, in Israel, when we were in Jerusalem for a year, I did it almost all the time. And that was not weird. A lot of people do it there. Yeah. So it's social norm. I mean, it's kind of like point. wearing a cowboy hat or a ba- actually it's more like wearing a baseball hat, uh, you know, in America. It's like like what, what I mean is it, it's like dressing up like a thing that people recognize, you know, yeah. more than because like not everyone is wearing one. But if you're wearing, that's why I said cowboy hat. It's it actually is kind of more like a cowboy hat than a baseball hat. Well, I it, mean, I don't know of any many people who wear cowboy hats here. But if you go to Texas, there's like a lot of people who wear cowboy hats. Yeah, that's what I mean. But even so, like if you were in a if you were in a if you were in New York City wearing a cowboy hat, people would be like, hey, he's wearing a cowboy hat. And so, mm-hmm. like very much the same way, like if you were in Tel Aviv with a bunch of 22 year olds who think religion is dumb, 
and you were wearing a kippah, they would be like, oh, look, it's a religious guy. You know, like it's it's okay. it's a recognizable thing. Whereas in America, it's like, oh, look, it's a Jew, which is a really different <laughs> feeling. And so like, you know, the, there's there's but there's that's not actually the only feeling that I have that gives me because like I actually want to push myself on that. Like I want to be. I want people to encounter Jews and be like, I saw a Jew today. Like I, to me, that's progress, you know? And like, as somebody with like the physical privilege and security of have, of the sort of white male body that I have, uh-huh. uh, able body that I have, young body that I have, uh, I, I don't feel, I feel like I can take the threat, you know, uh, because it's mostly in my head anyway which is not to say mm. that I've never been threatened in public for being Jewish, which is related to this, but it's still rare and nothing bad has ever happened to me. Um, but like, that's just on one level. The other level is signaling religiousness as a Jewish person does have expectations from other Jews about the kinds of stuff that you do. And like, if I go into a restaurant, that's not a kosher restaurant, like I'm doing something bad from a religious oh, Jewish standpoint. And I go, I eat in, restaurants that are not kosher restaurants almost exclusively. So like the, the, it's, it's, you know, I, I do order specific things because of my own observance, you know, like I don't eat pork, but I, but that doesn't matter. You know, like you can't eat in a non-kosher restaurant as an Orthodox Jew. I see what you're saying. So like there's actually a religious principle about that. We're not supposed to give other Jews the sense that it's okay to do stuff that's not okay. So wearing a and it, it does does kind of it is different in in Buddhism because you know I have heard you know you probably don't want to be signaling to people that you're Buddhist right keep your light under a bushel this yeah is a so I don't really I don't know about like signaling to people in a religious manner I will wear funny things though that doesn't really bother me as uh-huh. much so, you mean just like outfit wise yeah like I I I I don't think for some reason the way i dress doesn't really like um make me as uncomfortable as maybe the way i'm acting uh-huh uh uh-huh. okay so that's did hmm. i'm wondering how related these things are because it's like certainly in the case that i'm describing the wearing a kippah it's like how i'm dressed i, I mean it is in contrast with how i'm acting but the thing is i'm acting what the way that's normal for me i'm dressing in the way that's outrageous for me yeah i mean i i think dressing like a buddhist i'm not really sure what that would mean except for as if you had like the actual robes and everything right but i think at that point i would be more worried that people would be offended for cultural appropriation which isn't exactly right in this context Mm. uh but people don't know so um, (laughs) i mean if you went to like if i went to japan and i would definitely you know wear the kimono they they like it when you do stuff there but here it has a different context you know it's like right you're wearing someone else's culture yeah every culture is different in this way i think and yeah japan is really interesting i think that i think that there's a lot of nuance missing from the conversation within american buddhism about cultural appropriation, about that. Because there's a Japanese, there's a pride. To me, like what, what I've encountered mostly from Japanese people uh, about what like Westerners practicing Zen and engaging in Zen forms is pride in the forms. Like honor, yeah. like not, not on, they're not like personally honored. It's just more like, yeah, of course, 
Japanese stuff is the best. Well, that's why I was saying I don't think it's exactly cultural appropriation. Because if anything, if you were to ask like Japanese Buddhists, they we, we they would probably say we're not appropriating enough of the culture. <laughs> yeah, well, right. Yeah, exactly. Right. Because like the Japanese way to do it is the best way. So like, why would you do it in this sort of half-assed American way? Right, exactly. Yeah, so that might be where the, the offense comes in. Like you're not doing exactly like how we would do uh-huh. it. That's a good point. Yeah. So it's, but in any case, that's all very complicated. Uh, and, and like going out in public and creating complicated impressions like that um, does feel like pressure. I wonder, I'm just, I'm, I want to know more about where that comes from for you or like how long uh, you remember that being a, a self a kind of form of self-consciousness that, cause like I definitely came into that kind of self-consciousness. Like I didn't have it at first. Like there are stories my parents tell about uh, the the one in particular I'm thinking of is a raincoat. I wanted a pink raincoat when I was in kindergarten. Oh, yeah. They said they handed me the 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 catalog and they were like, "Which one of these five dollar silicone raincoats do you want?" And I was like, "I want the pink one." And they decided not to get it for me. They had this was like <laughs> it's so funny, like being a parent of little children now and thinking about the sort of cultural dilemmas that I have about you know, gender stuff and, 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 you know, culture of any kind, uh, and comparing it to this situation that my parents had in 1992 of like, are we allowed to send a boy into school wearing a pink raincoat? And they decided no, (laughs) you know, it's, it's so ridiculous to me to think about, but, but I, of course, can't appreciate the extent to which they may have been right. Like who knows, how I would have been treated uh, True. if they had sent me back then pink. anyway. Yeah. Now I don't think people would care, right. but exactly. So I didn't have that self-consciousness, although that experience might've instilled some of that self-consciousness in me for the first time. Although I don't feel that way when I think about it, I don't feel like, Oh, my parents must be telling me something important is what was going through my mind. It was just like, man, I want the pink one. <laughs> don't give me the blue one. But the, yeah, but, but in any case, like, at some point, I developed the ability to become self-conscious about that, about the way it looks in public. I mean, as far as gender goes, I mean, my my brothers were always telling me what I couldn't could and couldn't do as a, as a female. So, uh-huh. you know, couldn't play with them, uh-huh. <laughs> couldn't uh, you know, do all sorts of things. And um, I remember one time I put like on old spice deodorant and they were like no you can't do that and they made me wash it off but i wear old spice deodorant to this day yeah (laughs) interesting some of it doesn't even smell like i guess i'll put in quotations ultra masculine right yeah (laughs) yeah i mean as far as walking in zazen i i think if it's just a, a random park i would probably be more uh likely to do it um, but in this context where, um, it was a Saturday and Ian was at work and I was hanging outside doing Zazen and both walking meditation, Zazen, I guess mm-hmm. that's not Zazen, but whatever. Kim, Kim. Um, and they both saw me and Ian pointed it out. So it made me more, a little bit more, um, self-conscious about doing it in public that that did kind of look silly. Uh, especially if you are around people who 
know you but don't know the context of why you would be doing that at all so walking around my neighborhood like people have probably seen me walk around gonna be forever like that girl that's always walking funny in the neighborhood you know (laughs) my my around my own community they're not gonna talk to me and ask me why i'm walking funny or anything they're just gonna have (laughs) that (laughs) context of me forever if i'm in a random place i don't think it would really even make me that nervous i see what i'm like yeah i probably won't even see these people again i guess that's the part that i want not to be true i want them i want it to be true that if people see someone walking in a weird and interesting way enough times that it's obvious that they this is just a thing that they do on purpose and it's not just them having a bad day or something i i want to believe that they'll ask about it but maybe not and well, like, I, I just know that. I mean, I, okay, here's another another thing about like do, looking a certain way. Like, I I would get really I get really self conscious in the wheelchair. Mm. So if there's days like last night and we're like we have to go somewhere and you're gonna have to do walking and I'm like, well, that's gonna take forever and it's gonna be really painful. Like I use the wheelchair. Uh huh. Um, and it it makes me uncomfortable in the wheelchair because if I were to get out of the wheelchair, which of course I can, I feel like there's this mm. idea that she's not really disabled. <laughs> she's mm-hmm. faking it, mm-hmm. which I don't know who would do that. Um, but I, I think that when I was little, I had those a little bit of those prejudices. I mean, kids are kind of prejudiced. So let's go. With uh-huh. that. But sure. if I saw like a obese person uh, in a uh, hover round in, in, in a Walmart or something, I'd be like, they don't really need that. They're just big, which, by the way, like if you're big, then it can damage your your knees. And I'm sure it is. It can be very painful to walk around. So um, not judging. Mm. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> but th- I did judge when I was little about it because I didn't really know any better. And I, I am worried about that perception of me that that I um, am a fake disabled person. Uh-huh. So I don't I don't look disabled. Mm. Whatever that means. Mm. So this is so related to the feeling of wearing a coupon public for me. There's I mean people have actually come up to me and be like you don't look disabled or uh at least you're beautiful. Whoa. <laughs> what does that have to do? With uh, yeah, wow, at least for what? <laughs> Ugh, I have no idea what being a woman is like. <laughs> the, uh, well, and I know people aren't going to ask me because they think that is offensive, which I don't. I don't find offensive. If you want to ask me about my disability, I will gladly tell you. Yeah, but also just huh. know some people might not want to talk about it, and they'll just say, "I would rather not talk about it," and then just leave them alone. That's fine too. Uh-huh. But uh, people don't generally ask people about their disabilities, and I would I am I'm, I'm very vocal about it. Where I where I actually had a, a recent um, talk at a conference about you know my disability and accessibility and um, higher education and everything like mm. that. So I would love for people to know, but I don't want people to to look at me and have false ideas. Interesting, yeah, because like. Those two, those two conflicting things kind of go hand in hand a little bit, right? Like, you don't want to just hide it entirely from view and never have anyone think about it. You want yeah. to be public about who you are 
in a way, like almost in order to raise awareness or start conversation. But you want, yeah. you want it to be the right, right one. You don't have so much control over what conversation it starts. And there's some anxiety about that. I mean, that's what Ian says. He goes, well, if people don't see disabled people who can get in and out of a wheelchair, how will they know that they exist? Uh-huh. But I mean, and that's a good point, but they don't have context. Right. They don't have context. They don't have me saying, yeah, there's all sorts of disabled people. Some of them don't look disabled and some of them do. And then some of them can get in and out of the wheelchair and only need to use the wheelchair sometimes. And some of them all can only use the wheelchair. <laughs> yeah. So is the concern that you have about them forming false impressions about ingraining certain biases in other people, like like working against the cause by accident yeah, rather than for it? Yeah, it just makes it. me so angry Like yeah. sometimes. I mean, there's this one time. And it it did really it did really just make me angry. And I was uh, we were going just to drop things off in the library. We used the handicap parking spot, and I have the handicap sticker thing. And I got out, and someone there was a line for people voting, and this person told me I shouldn't use that because that's for disabled people. Mm-hmm. And we had to like defend my disability like just Mm -hmm. be like i am disabled you know i have a vascular necrosis just because i look fine and just because you're seeing me walking doesn't mean i'm not disabled Uh uh-huh how did it go i mean he gave up eventually but he was like he wasn't convinced was he a disabled person like was did he have any business no well there's some people who think that who maybe have like elderly parents or something like that and think that there's just these young people who are using the handicap sticker and like oh why this is my mom's sticker but you know what i just like parking in the handicap spot so i can go in closer and here's the thing i don't even use the handicap spot if i don't need to uh-huh. so even if there are people who are just using the handicap spot because they want to like get a closer parking spot, I would give them the benefit of the doubt uh-huh. because it's not your job. It's not anybody's job to be the handicap police and yeah. offend people who are actually disabled. Yeah. It's almost a separate problem. Just that policing of other people thing, but it, but it's deeply connected in that it's about sort of people's fixed impressions of how the world is. Well, it's well, it's like what you were saying. Like people will be like, "Oh, you're not gonna go. You're not going into the um, uh, <laughs> sorry, the, the kosher restaurant." restaurant. Yeah. And I mean, maybe they don't say that physically to you, but maybe <laughs> something's happened where you know that that's maybe some of them are thinking that. Well, it's just about knowing <laughs> Jews, like the way like you you can't get away with anything in the Jewish community. So like that. That kind of thing. Like, you know, you just, you hear people, obviously the, this, these resemble stereotypes, but I promise you these are internal stereotypes. These are the stereotypes that we have about ourselves and each other. Where, like where you just, you hear enough people talking about enough people with 
feigned shocked expressions on their faces and you kind of get the impression that like everybody in this community is airing everybody else's dirty laundry and so that is used as a sort of cultural enforcement of norms and that's the much scarier idea to me than the idea that americans seeing a jew you know is going to cause some sort of incident Uh, yeah yeah no i totally get what you're saying so and that's that was like it the policing you know yeah. the policing of the handicap spots or whatever mm-hmm. like who's the gatekeeper of who decides like who's disabled and who's not and like the government thought i was disabled that's a hard that's a harder one to prove i feel like. uh-huh. well and that's like who's who put the sign the handicaps sign on the parking spot you know like the people who declare that this parking spot is for you <laughs> are accepting of your definition of yourself so you know, it's it's like the citizens arrest thing where people yeah. are just sort of enforcing their own little power trip that they're on. But it just got so bad where like you know, I I had a teacher who was was helping me around campus when I was in the wheelchair. And, you know, he he kind of just like agreed with that whole like policing handicap spots. And it made me, because he agreed with that, it made me feel like I couldn't get out of the wheelchair around him. Mm. I was too afraid to. Like, he would be like, oh, okay, so you're not, like, you're actually just like, you can get out of the wheelchair. Like, why am I pushing you to class, you know? Mm-hmm. Even in close relationships, there's a there's a concern about the level of trust in uh in a view about what you about what you need or who uh like there's like integrity seems to be kind of the fundamental question here is like people see a surface of someone else and we see surfaces of others and form impressions on the, of them based on those surfaces, which we update when we get like overwhelming information that that impression was wrong. But like until then, we use whatever impression we formed. And I think maybe knowing that, we assume that other people are doing that about us. And so we try and imagine what impressions they're forming of us. And when we have this pressing thing that's like, I... I'm a disabled person and I like I need the world to make some accommodations of that so that I can get around yeah. it. Uh or I'm a Jew and I need the like pluralistic society that I live in to make adjustments to that well, reality. Sure. Like it's kind of similar and then like that that becomes a need on a social level. And so anything that we do that might upset that impression that we need people to have in order to treat us the right way we get worried about and 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 we all we all it takes is one or two anecdotes for that concern to be completely validated and the question i think is like how do you like how how do you have integrity in your own personal complicated way of being that extends all the way out to the impression that people are forming of you when they can't know you all the way. 
I don't always feel like that with Buddhism because I do think that if you say you're a Zen Buddhist, like there is sort of a positive connotation to Zen. We There's all these like words and phrases that are related to Zen that just mean like peaceful uh-huh. to people, uh-huh. like calm and rational and peaceful. Right. Um, and that's, that's, I mean, I think that's nice that we have the privilege of having those words associated with our religious affiliation, you know. I think that there's still, I think with any religion, you're going to have people have misconceptions about it, though. Yeah. About what that actually means. Like, for example, I think the biggest misconception is that we believe Buddha is God. Uh-huh. And I, I think that it actually would be easier for Christians to accept it, to accept us knowing that we don't think that Buddha is God mm-hmm. and that we're not really that concerned with God in general. Like it's okay if you believe in God and in your Buddhist and it's okay if you don't believe in God and your Buddhist or it's okay if you don't know. Mm-hmm. It's not really that concerning. Although I guess, I guess it could make it more, a little more concerned that that's not <laughs> the front and center of uh-huh. religion. Uh-huh. But. <laughs> right. Well, it, it's, it's just like a general truth about people that the more you learn about them in detail, the less of a threat they are, right? And Generally like, speaking, yeah, I do agree with that. It, it's, it's, that's the trick of this social presentation that we're talking about. It's just like, how do you pack the most truth about who you are into that first impression so that what people perceive is non-threatening and... It, it begins to sound like a spiritual practice, like a sort of way of carrying yourself to practice that. But there's only so much you can do. Yeah. I mean, I, I think the hope is that you practice so well that it integrates into your life in a way that it kind of outwardly reflects into your your first impressions or your your second impression, all your impressions. Like people are like, I don't know uh, what's going on with that person, but they seem like a good person. Householders is a production of the Atlanta Soto Zen Center in Atlanta, Georgia, and the Silent Thunder Order. Find us on the web at aszc.org. Our sangha depends on your support. You can donate by PayPal to donate at storder.org. Gasho.